the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for being with us. Think back to the United States of America in the 1960s and in the 1970s. If you can. The Vietnam War was raging. Now, the Vietnam War goes back many, many years before the American intervention. America basically entered Southeast Asia in 1961 and quickly escalated from a small group of what they would call intelligence observers to boots on the ground that numbered in the hundreds of thousands. That's the American perspective. Now, from a Vietnamese perspective, whether it's North or South Vietnam, the country was essentially inundated by troops, bombs, guns, all sorts of violence that were perpetrated on the people, mostly on the civilians. Untold numbers of civilians were killed in the war. And still to this day, in North and South Vietnam, there are still bombs that are being unearthed. It was a deeply dangerous place. And you can only imagine what it would be to grow up as a child in the midst of a war. Our next guest, Kim Fook, is with us. She has a new workout called Fire Road, the Napalm Girls' journey through the horrors of war to faith, forgiveness, and peace. Now, in 1972, Kim Fook was out with her brothers and sisters when there was a bomber coming overhead targeting the area in which she lived, and napalm rained down upon Kim Fook. She was burned severely. The skin on her body shredded her. And the ensuing decades of pain and change that came upon her was something that no one should have to suffer. Here to talk to us about her story as a child and a woman of faith is Kim Fook. Kim, we welcome you to the show. Thank you. (laughs) Kim, let me say first off how much John and I have just unbelievably enjoyed your book. I mean, it is a fabulous accomplishment. Thank you so much. <laughs> it is really wonderful. Okay, Kim, let's start off talking about your childhood in Vietnam and what it was like before war came to you and your accident, June 8th, 1972. Right. My, well, my life before that happened, uh, I I was really, really happy. Uh, every time I went home from school, uh, get into my uh, the gate of my fam of my house. I felt like princess, and you know, like I enjoy to climb on the tree to pick up all the food. My favorite food is guava. Mm. It's so beautiful, <laughs> and uh, wow, um, it's just, I I feel so good before the. Uh, so peaceful, and um, I remember all that all that we have. Yes, um, a lot of animals around uh, around us, and then a lot of fruit trees. And um, wow, 
enjoy my childhood. <laughs> yes. Now, Kim, your family was doing very well. Your mother ran a successful restaurant. Your father was a very astute businessman. You earned, owned some property surrounded, as you say, by 42 guava trees. Life yes, was good. Yes. Love it. <laughs> Talk to us yeah. about what happened when on June 8th of 1972, airplanes came overhead as you were out in the fields with your brothers and sisters. Right. When the, um, we're hiding in the temple, it means the Taodai religion. It's there so with the South Vietnamese soldiers, then um, they saw the color mark drop inside of the temple. That means they dedicated the temple was going to be bombed. Then um, they called the children. You have to run out of this place. It's not safe. And so they asked the children, run. And then I remember I was one of them. We ran out of the temple just in the front of the temple and I saw the airplane it's so fast toward me then so loud and I saw wow the four bombs landing down and then I heard the noise like that then Wow, the fire was everywhere around me. And of course, my clothes was burned by the fire. And I saw the fire over on my left arm. And I used my right hand. I wrapped it up. Then I thought, oh my goodness, I got burned. So I will be ugly, so people will see me different way. I was so terrified. Yes. Then I ran out of that fire, and I saw my brothers, I saw my cousin, and some soldiers there, and we kept running and running until I was so tired to run anymore. I stopped. I saw so many people on the street, and so I just cried out, too hot, too hot. And I remember one of the soldiers gave me some water to drink, and because he tried to help me, he poured the water over my body, my skin, and at that moment, Wow, I get, you know, I get passed out. I didn't know anything else. Water boils at 212 degrees. It's estimated that the um, the temperature of napalm coming down, raining down on uh, vegetation and people may exceed 5,000 degrees. 
So when this napalm hit your skin, you essentially boiled from the outside and the napalm made its way inside of your body. So your your organs, your skin, they were on fire. And this water that was given to you as an act of kindness had the complete and total opposite effect because it ignited the fire deeper inside your body. Right. But, you know, at that moment, they tried to help me. Sure. No one realized that what happened. But for me, I look at the, you know, like I feel, I feel like so bad. But for me, I feel like oh, that is a good thing because yes. I pass out. I, I didn't remember anything. That has helped me for that mm-hmm. because if how I don't know how this is so bad if I just know how much the pain comes down with right. that. What Kim, it's in, what's interesting is that as you were just hit with the napalm and you're running, trying to escape the pain, your first thought, as you write in Fire Road, is that I am ugly now. Talk about that, about the sense of beauty in Vietnamese life. Wow, yes. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's... a. Uh, the woman, uh, most of the culture in Vietnam, um, I think is I saw my mom, she really uh, worked so hard and she so cared about her hair, her face, her skin. And I said, oh, I look at that so ugly and I feel so, I terrify at that moment. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And somehow that thought with you about your ugliness that instilled in you the thought that you were somehow unfit to be loved. Exactly. Unfit to be loved. It's so sad when as a little child, I knew it at that moment. Yeah. Kim, without meeting you, uh, tens, hundreds of millions of people know who you are because we've all seen the very famous photograph of you that was taken by a man you named Uncle Oot, uh, Nick Oot. So at that, at that moment that the napalm was burning your skin, um, Nick Oot was there with a camera. Can you talk about that moment? Right. I, I didn't know he was there. I didn't know that my picture was taken at that moment. As a child, I, I after I got burned, I kept running and running, and I I I I end up in the hospital. Then you know my life too long in the hospital, and I I I saw that picture as the first time when I came home hmm. after the 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 hospitalized. Then my dad called out, "Oh, that is your picture, Kim." So, 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 the, so the photographs Nick Oot took are the only memories you have of those moments. Yeah, I I didn't know that. Okay, so after that, when I came home, then I remember uh, my my dad showed me this is your picture, and I looked that picture. I said, Oh no, wow. I was so ugly. <laughs> you know, I didn't want that. Uh, but I have to accept that is my brothers and my cousin in my picture, and then is real. I got burned. Yeah, that I remember. But when I I thought, wow, right now, the moment he took my picture. But then, oh, later on, uh, Uncle Ud, uh told me what happened next. 
because I didn't remember uh, when I passed out what happened next. Then he told me after he took the picture and then he took me to the nearest hospital and he dropped me there. He fight with the people, get me in, and uh, he went to the dark room to envelope, uh, to uh, to make the, the, the picture. And so he saw my picture, and then he went back to my village for the next day. And what's going on? And then I said, wow, Uncle Ud, he, he is my hero. Because, you know, the napalm didn't know who, who you are. And it's so dangerous. He was right there. It's so close. And he took my picture. Not only he, he did his job, but he did extra work. He took me, he dropped me to the hospital. That he saved my life. He did save your life. We're talking with Kim Fook. She is the author of Fire Road, the Napalm Girl's Journey Through the Horrors of War to Faith, Forgiveness, and Peace. Nick Oot took that photograph on June 8th of 1972. The following day, the photograph of Kim Fook is a little girl running naked down a road in South Vietnam. South Vietnam. It shook the world as it was reproduced in hundreds of newspapers, magazines across the world. It essentially put an exclamation point on the horrors of the Vietnam world. And people who may have been supportive of the Vietnam War up to that point had to pause and reconsider what they thought of war as they saw a child burned deeply and what that would mean for her, for her family, for her country. We'll take a quick break and talk about Kim Fook and her lead and her faith to find Jesus Christ in this broken and dangerous world. Stay with us. Kim Fook, the fire road girl, the napalm girl, and her story continues here on Word FM. There's a Pulitzer Prize-winning photograph of a little girl, a Vietnamese girl, running down the road, crying, naked, surrounded by other little children and soldiers as well. It was a photograph that shook the, the nature of this world in its brutality, the, the horror of children being crushed by war. Kim Fook is the girl in that Pulitzer Prize-winning photograph from 1972. She's with us live today. Her book is called Fire Road, The Napalm Girl's Journey Through the Horrors of War to Faith, Forgiveness, and Peace. Kim, a day after um, the horrors that were inflicted on you, you woke up in a morgue because they thought that you were dead. Um, And then you spent over a year in recovery in multiple surgeries in the hospital. Um, Can you talk about that year in your life? Well, actually, you know, as a child, and I learned so much about story, about my story from the doctor, from my mom. I'm just amazed. How can I survive? And um, so... I remember the time I was in the hospital. Well, I wish my memory not come back that soon, but I I remember. 
every day at 8 o'clock, the nurses came and put me in the burn bath. And uh, in the burn bath, they put some ingredients that is make, make it easy to cut my all my death skin off. It's so painful. It was alive. And I remember when I couldn't stand any longer, I couldn't, you know, bear the pain any longer. I just passed out. And I remember one time my sister came to visit me on the same time that I taking the bath, burn bath, she fainted. Wow, she couldn't she couldn't see that how much I suffered. Mm. That is every day. But you know, I see that moment. But now I look back and so I'm so thankful because they have to do that. They cut all my dead skin off. If not, it's so easy to cut infection and I will die because uh, the surface of all the, the part of burn in my body is so big. And then, and then that have, they have to do that to me. And I looked at, at the child when I have too much pain, I get cry. I didn't think of much as a teenager. And I thought everybody, you know, the same. And I, I feel like, okay, that's fine. Because every child, every people around me have something. And then they end up in, in that place. Yes. And so I thought it's a, just a normal life <laughs> for me <laughs> uh, in the hospital. And whenever, uh, when I, whenever I need help, doctors and nurses, they were there and ready. I, I need them and then they were there for me. It is so, that is, I remember my child, uh, the time in the hospital. Kim Fook is with us. So Kim, 46 years ago, 1972, you were burned more than 30% of your body. Internally, your organs were also scorched. What what is it like now after those 46 years? Clearly, you suffer long-term health effects, right? Yes, sir. Yes. I, I really still, unfortunately, I still have the pain. Uh, I think because my scar is too deep, and um, yes, it's affected my health until now. So uh, the last three years... I got the laser treatment to help um, to help me to ease uh, my pain, and I continue to do that. Uh, actually, uh, June uh, last June is uh, coming up. I I will do that again uh, mm-hmm. one more time. So uh, we have to fly to Miami for another laser treatment. Kim, how many surgeries have you had since that day in 1972? Um, actually, in the hospital at that time, 16 times. Then in 1982, I had another one in Germany. And then I went to 10 laser treatment. That's all the treatment I had. 
We need to take a quick break. But Kim, when we come back, we'd like to talk about your faith journey. You talk early on in Fire Road that you believe that there has been a divine underpinning to your story. Let's open that up a little bit from the smorgasbord theology of your youth to you finding life in Jesus Christ. Kim Fook, her book is called Fire Road, The Napalm Girl's Journey. Straight ahead. An eight-year-old girl in third grade in 1972, her body set aflame by napalm. She's known as the Napalm Girl. Kim Fook is with us. Her brand new book is called Fire Road. Kim, you survived against all odds, um, spending over a year in the hospital, multiple surgeries. Um, and then after the U.S. pulled out of Vietnam and the war was over, uh, you found yourself trying to stay in school. Your passion, of course, to become a physician, to be a pediatrician in particular. But it turned out that the Vietnamese government had different plans for you. Can you talk about how you became an agent of the Vietnamese government? Well, because they discovered me, I was that little girl in the famous picture. So, unfortunately, at that time, I just got into medicine school. Then they, like you say, they have a, you know, they pulled me out uh, for the um, foreign journalists, uh, for the propaganda uh, interviews. So... Wow, they interfere my school time, and eventually I was under control. Then I my they cut short my study, and I couldn't go to school anymore. That is a really low point in my life. It's very sad. Yeah. And, and the government was asking you to do what? To do a lot of interview for the foreign journalists. Uh, filming and all over the world they came to Vietnam they wanted to interview that little girl <laughs> mm-hmm. and your and your role was to speak against the United States uh, actually at that time I just speak Vietnamese so all the interview there were uh, translation right yes translation mm-hmm. okay. And so I I say um, depend on the question uh, from the journalist I- interviewer, but I have no idea what they they talk. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I just say whatever that the depend on the question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the government. But, so the government agents were making up your responses to suit whatever the government wished that you would have said. Of course. (laughs) I have no idea at that time. Right. Yeah. So, Kim, talk to us about your faith journey. You talk early on in Fire Road that you believe that there was a divine underpinning, that you do believe there's a divine underpinning to your story. You, of course, did not grow up as a Christian in Vietnam. Uh, You and your family, you went to the temple, and it was kind of like pray to the spinning wheel of the deity of your choice in some ways, yes? Right. I was raised in the Cao Dai religion, and um, I I pray to many gods as they name on the list, and uh, uh, that is how I believe. But then, when the the, the another uh, tragedy come into my life, 
and I didn't know what I had to do. It is so, so hard for me. Um, as a teenager, I thought a lot. I tried to do my best. Uh, I, I want to complete my study. I, I, I want to do something to help people, like people help me, just like all the doctors and nurses uh, I had met in the hospital. So what's going on right now? I couldn't go to school anymore, what I have to do. And so I, I had so many, many questions. Why me? Why that happened to me over and over again? I have to, why I have to suffer? Yeah, and, and that moment, uh, the, the circumstances like that is build me up with all the hatred, bitterness, and anger. I have so many questions, and then I really wanted to find a purpose for my life. Why I still alive? And and I'm so thankful that I found it. When I couldn't go to school um, in in that time, so I spent my days time in the library, searching uh, for the truth, for the purpose, for my answer. And I poured out so many uh, religious books in 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 that place in the library. <laughs> and among the book that I had read is uh, the Bible, the New Testament. And when I read, the more I read, the more question I had, because it's totally different from my religion originally. And when I read John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. I was so confused and wonder what was true. And then, um, you know, like, wow, the more question I had, I just want to have the answer. And during that time, I living with my sister family and my brother cousin, uh, my brother-in-law had a cousin. He was a Christian. Then I had a chance um, to ask him when he visit uh, my sister family, and he tried to explain to me everything, but uh, I couldn't believe in you know what he answered. Yeah. But yeah, but then he invited me to go to the church, and I went to the church. I'm glad I went. Hmm. Then I heard the message in Christmas time. Then pastor. He explained why we celebrate Christmas. Then uh, he explained because of Jesus, the baby came to the world. And uh, he's just not a, a man, you know, like a God-man. And he died on the cross to pay for our sins. If anyone opened his heart to Jesus, Jesus will come in to bring peace and remove all the burden. That word, that is a really touch my heart because I really seeking peace 
and I really need someone come into my life to take away my burdens. So after invitation, I really wanted to, you know, to go forward and open my heart to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. That is a really, really amazing turning point in my life. When I I get stopped to pray too many gods as before, and I just pray one God, our Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ. And that moment, wow, it's just so wonderful. I know that I have peace. The more I pray, the more peace I have. And I know it's a right thing to do. And I continue to pray. God gave me the wisdom. God gave me peace and joy and move on. And, and a, a lot of lesson I learned follow it is the most important thing that I learned how to love my enemies, how I forgive them. Because in the, in the Bible, tell me, love your enemies, do good to them. And at the beginning, I was really struggle. How can I love them? That is the, because all my suffering, how can I love them? But then, wow, I, I, I just saw when Jesus suffered, and he just didn't do anything but pray. He prayed for the people who caused his death. Pain. And he say, Father, forgive them. But they're doing what they don't know what they're doing. I say, wow, that is a great, great picture, great example for me. And I started to pray, God, I cannot do it, but you can do impossible things in my life. And I started to pray, God, you have the power to change my life, and please help me to learn to forgive, to love my enemies, and I practicing uh, doing, you know, the the way that I I have to do in my side. Lord, help me, and I just imagine a full picture as like the the black coffee cup. And then I have to do my part. I pour the black coffee out. I pour out all my hate every day, a little bit at a time. When I pour out all of my hate, bitterness and anger and loss and pain, until my cup became empty, then God helped with his mercy, his grace, he refilled my cup with light, with hope, and with, with patience, love, understanding, and forgiveness. That I have to practice myself every day. And I started to, you know, with my, my enemy list, now it became my prayer list. Even though I don't know, I didn't know their name specifically, but I can put, for example, the pilot who dropped the bomb, 
the men who controlling me, uh, everyone who caused my suffering. Then I started to pray for them. The beginning, uh, it, it was so hard, but then I could keep doing and doing. Eventually, wow. Kim, thank you so much. It's been, for Kathy and I, a privilege to speak with you. We uh, greatly appreciate your time here to think about all the suffering you've endured, uh, all of that. And then you find the peace and the grace and the forgiveness, the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you for being that vessel and for delivering your message here to our audience today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. God bless. God bless to you. Kim Fook, the author of Fire Road, The Napalm Girl's Journey Through the Horrors of War to Faith, Forgiveness, and Peace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.